Okay, good morning, gentlemen. I've got it. So, um, what I'd like to talk about today is I do the moderating for PSP, which is definitely the highlight of my week. Good morning. <laughs> well, y there are those that feel otherwise. <laughs> but the, the, the goal and, or let's say the the recurring difficulty I think people have with PSP, you know, there's a lot of material out there to access and if a person wants to come up with a discussion of a given topic, even if it's controversial, if you actually put in the effort to researching the material, you'll probably come up with something pretty sound. I'm starting at a point beyond that. If you do that in your life as mechanchim, as, as it may not necessarily help you at all and in fact having all the information can sometimes be very very negative so the the basic premise of what I'd like to expand upon today is the idea that in order for us to have any kind of impact on another it's not about what we know it's about what we are Avdesta says this he says that just like there's a nefesh ruch neshama to a person, so the point at which the divay are within you is the point at which they can affect the other person. So if the Torah that you're saying over on on the periphery of your being, they on the, the the lowest level of yourself, you just have got the knowledge, but you don't feel it, you don't experience it, you don't live with it. So the only thing it can give to the other person is knowledge, but won't change them. And since the whole tachis of what we're trying to do is to be mashpi on people, we're not trying to give them information. We're trying to allow them to experience a new dimension of life. In order for that to be effective, we have to be there. Not that we have to know that. You follow? So therefore, it completely transforms the goal of presenting a shir from the, 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 the difficulty is no longer getting the information and knowing the sugya. That's, that's one, of the, one of the points. The difficulty really is, the difficulty really is where, where we go from there and what we do with that information. So what I'd like to do is I broke it down into four different processes of how we're going to do this. What I'd like to do is I'd like to present the processes as ideas which will be probably very abstract and hard to access and then I'd like to have a little bit of feedback between you and I in regard to picking a topic and trying to use this method of approach in the topic itself. So here are some sheets which just are outlines of, um, of what we're going to be doing. Okay. And just to make it easy to remember, I've broken down the I've broken down the stages of the idea. Close the door. I've broken down the stages of the idea into four different stages. The four R's. The four R's are relevance, research reflect and react and let's go from them one by one.
So the first one is relevance. If the topic you're discussing is not relevant either to you or to the people that you're speaking to or it has no global relevance, so then it's a non-starter. It can be the most well-structured, highly developed, complex presentation. It makes no difference to anyone. In relevance, there are three things that there has to be relevant, and the first one is possibly the most critical. What does the thing that I'm talking about mean to me? What relevance does this have for myself? Um, for example, you have to speak on, give me a topic. Why keep kosher? Why keep kosher? Why keep kosher? So does this, does this topic have any relevance for me? So it could be that if you've, been gr if you've grown up in an environment where you only ever offered kosher food and everything that you've come into contact with has always had a kosher, kosher infrastructure, so it could be eating kosher is a completely irrelevant act for you. And therefore, when you start to speak about it, you're in trouble. A person that perhaps grew up in an environment where there was very difficult, you know, I've got a, a, a person, that's a student in the program, that his parents live in some isolated place in Florida, and they make this trip once every two months, they go to this kosher butchery, and they, they transport huge, huge, huge frozen freezer bags of meat, and they put them in their freezer, and they last them for two months. So then the person already has some type of idea of, Kosher plays a part in my life. But for us, a lot of times, we grew up eating kosher, all the food was ever given us kosher, and therefore it's totally me meaningless to us. So that, that, that's a problem, because if it's meaningless to you, it's certainly not going to be meaningful to the people that you're speaking to. So you have to think, what is the meaning for me? And if the answer to that question is <coughs> no meaning, that's also okay. That's also okay. In other words, if your starting point is, the truth is, it doesn't mean to me, that's crucial that you acknowledge that. Because until you acknowledge that, you can't actually move forward. Why are you looking at no, me like that? What happens after you acknowledge it, then you can't really give the shear, like you said. Okay, so, so, so what happens is then you say, listen, clearly I'm not cut out for this, and you go become an accountant. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'll I, I explain to you what happens then. In the example that you just gave, uh, you're talking to some people that have always eaten kosher, so you're not going to give a class about why keep kosher, but you might alter it and say the importance of keeping kosher, or the significance of kosher, no, but again, if it, if, if it doesn't, if it doesn't feel, it, but it has to be important to you then. You have to have an experience in your life where you feel the importance. You have to have some t internal meaning. Okay? So, so now, before we go on to what happens if you have no personal meaning, let's go on to the next stage. What's, what's the global relevance? Now, I, 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 this means, what does it mean, I wrote in the notes, for a Norwegian shipbuilder, a Chinese factory worker, an American trucker. So, again, those are examples are Lavdafka. Um, <laughs> like if you've never met a Norwegian shipbuilder, so then it'd be probably difficult to put yourself into it. It's just an illustration of how far you have to go in order to create relevance. The way we normally think is we normally think in terms of our own context. So when I think about relevance, I think about how the guys in my Khabura are going to relate to this. But the people that are going to be coming into you, if you're being successful, they're not going to be the guys in your Khabura when they come in. Afterwards, they'll become the guys in your Khabura. But the first, they're going to be Norwegian shipbuilders. Not all of them. Good size, portion, if you're in Norway, at the docks. But the, the, the point is that you have to be able to give relevance to an idea that it's really quite specific. You know, if I'm Jewish and I'm from and I keep kosher, what bichlal shaykhs does it have to someone in China? And you have to find the shaykhs. Because the people that you're going to be dealing with 
are often going to be as far away from your world as a Chinese factory worker. And if you can't say something which is relevant to them, so they'll just walk out bored and say, okay, that was interesting for him, didn't impact <coughs> me. So the, the first thing is personal relevance. The second thing is global relevance. And the third thing is the particular audience, audience you're dealing with. You have to think before in the global picture, and then you have to bring it down to the particular audience and make it more specific and, and fine-tune it. So let's go. So Kashas, go on. Okay, sorry, you missed the introduction maybe. The introduction was, this is going to be a six or seven part class on how to study, on how to give over a way of how to learn Gomorrah. And this first, this first lecture in the series has got nothing to do with that whatsoever. It's, it's the, the first, the, this, the, this is basically how, how do you prepare for your public speaking. And um, the beauty of it all is that I then, I tell you how to do it, and then I moderate. <laughs> so when you don't do it, then I get very irate. So therefore, that's a great incentive to actually listen to what I say. <laughs> um, so, so, so what happens? So let's start with the person. So I go and I, I've been eating kashrus. I've been eating kosher my whole life, and I have to give a share in kashrus. So the truth is, kashrus doesn't really have that much meaning for me. So, so what I do? What I do? So what I would suggest you do is go, as, as, as we spoke about Smully, that go to the global point. What is the relevance of, of Kashrus got to the Norwegian shipbuilder? Truth is, not very much. Kashrus, do, Kashrus doesn't bother him. So we have to find a higher cloud that has a commonality between him and between me. Kashrus revolves around what activity? Ah, now eating is relevant to him because he also eats. So now let's think about what kind of eating would you classify kashrus as? Higher standards of eating, so it could be like organic. Better quality food. In other words, if you rate organic, it's better quality food. And it could be that the, the person living in California, organic food is something which speaks to him. So we've already found an overlap. You are concerned about eating a higher standard of food. I am concerned about eating a higher standard of food. Let's take it further. What else is conscious? Is it just that it's a higher standard? It's, it's, it's more, it's health-wise, it's more hygienic or? Spiritual. Spiritual. So now the minute you get there, so then you have found a point where you can take the person from where they are in their shipyard and bring them to a point where they also can access. You say, you know, eating, don't you find that eating is just quite a, a debasing experience? It's like this indulgence of the physical body. Would you perhaps consider the notion of eating that would be spiritualized? I'm not saying you personally. <laughs> In other words, but the, you can understand it would be an exciting idea to explore the fact that something which is so physical perhaps could have a spiritual dimension. And the truth is, when you think about that, there are millions, probably billions of people around the world who are obsessed with that idea. Indians don't eat cows because they're holy. In other words, that's that, not eating, but eating. No, it means that the food that they eat has got a spiritual connotation. Spiritual. No, it means that they, they only eat things which are spiritually healthy for them. Again, I'm not saying that the uh, uh, means that you the context of eating for a spiritual purpose is not located only in the halachas of kashrus. It's a global idea. So therefore, there's a global reference point. You follow? Yeah. 
So in other words, when you do that, you find the tzadah shaveh between your tiny little minuscule world and the larger world out there. And then you have a shared tongue. You have a common language that you can discuss. Yes? You're not getting it. Getting it? Getting it. Good, good. But if you don't make that step and you immediately start talking about kashras, so the person says, why are you telling this to me? I'm not interested in kashras. But if you speak to about the notion of spiritual eating, that's something which is global, refer- refer- uh, global, global relevance. Now, then you get your specific... Why, why is it more... This guy's not spiritual. He has nothing to do with spirituality. Okay. Even if he's not spiritual, but when I speak about kashas, it's an idea which is far out there. When I speak about the idea of the spirituality of eating, he may not be interested in that particular idea, but he knows that has global relevance. It's a relevant idea. There are billions of people doing it, and he may say, listen, that kind of eating doesn't interest me. And I'll say to him, well, let me explain to you perhaps why it should. And then we have a good doesn't interest you. Okay, the truth is, if it doesn't interest you, I think you're missing out on possibly one of the greatest ways of enjoying life. He says, really? I say, yes. He says, why? I say, wait. <laughs> Do you understand? Then you're engaging him. But if I come and I start speaking about kashas, he thinks, this guy is an orthodox fanatic. He's caught up in his tiny little world. He's speaking about these arbitrary ideas of these finicky little ritualistic types of relationship to meet, and it's absurd. So you go to the global plane where everyone agrees that that's something which is relevant. You're late. Good. Just clarifying. It's all about clarity. Okay, um, so, so you have the sheet we're discussing today. How to prepare for public speaking, which is really the first completely disconnected part of a series on how to teach Gemara. No relevance. In case, in case you get confused in the course this year. And what we discussed, we discussed the first three points, that when you're discussing a topic, there has to be personal relevance, what it means to me, global relevance, what it means in the world, and now we're on to audience relevance, that you're speaking to a particular audience. So if you're speaking to a group of, let's say, burnt-out day school kids, so then to go into Buddhism may not be so shy. <laughs> or may, I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> taka. but if you're speaking to, let's say, a group of 20... 25 to 35 year old young professionals so then you you try to find the the point where where now that you've moved it to eating so you find what's their what are their eating habits so if that group of that you can be mechalic between let's say for example that group of the 25 to 35 year old they're probably going to do most of the eating in restaurants and probably Eating is probably a big ASIC in terms of which restaurant to choose. Whereas if you're dealing with um, the 45 to 60-year-old age group, it's going to be cooking in the kitchen, which is a whole different musag of eating within the home. So you can contrast and compare eating in a restaurant. You know, eating in a restaurant is, is a big sugya. Is it a problem of oichel b'shukis posel edus? Is the restaurant a shukya? The many, some restaurants, they go out of their way to make sure to seat you on the sidewalk so that you are dafka bashuk. <laughs> you may not, you may want to have a, lose your, your kashas as an aid. So they said they facilitated, they put you there, mamish, in mitten, from shuk. So, that's, that's, that's the, do you understand? Okay, you, you all got me the, the I, I, we're not speaking about kashas, but do you understand how you take an idea which is very located and limited to Torah Judaism and the Badats, Eidacharedis, and you make it a global idea which is relevant to a Norwegian shipbuilder. We spoke about him. You know him, Sven. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Give me another example just to... to, to just 
Lashonor. Okay, Lashonor is easy. A hard example. Twillin. Okay, we're going to Twillin first. Okay? Twillin. 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 Schmidt is easier than Twillin. Yeah. Yeah, Schmidt is, Schmidt is simple. Okay, but because people, there's a notion of sabbaticals. It's not, it's no foreign concept. But Twillin is a very, very specific concept. What's the global relevance of Twillin? First of all, so what's the meaning? Twillin generally for, for, for us is probably a little bit easier, easier to have meaning. It's a little bit easier to have meaning because, because Twillin is something that, that we, we do every day and there was a point in our times before admits we weren't doing it and there's a whole section of Kalisha that's not doing it. They're called women and well, most, <laughs> most of Kalisha who are women aren't doing it. Um, and um, so, there's, so, so what's the global relevance of Twillin? Forget, forget about the specific reference. By the way, there's, there's a big problem. There's a big problem which is, which is, which is again, this, this PhD. Yeah, we'll get it, we'll get it, we'll get it, we'll get it. This PhD actually comes to another problem which I think is, is, is a bit fundamental in dealing with our lives. There's something which is, I kind of think is probably the greatest danger to, to Torah Judaism um, today. To Torah Judaism, and that danger is uh, boredom. People are just incredibly bored. People are bored in davening. They're bored in tefillin. They're bored on Shabbos. They're bored with <coughs> cities. It's bored. The bored. The only thing which is like relatively interesting is if you like you've got the brain for it. Limit Torah. But that's a problem because if you're bored with your Yiddish character and then you're trying to s- excite people about it, <laughs> you say, "Hey guys, how would you like to do something which is very boring? <laughs> hey, I'm getting paid for this, so you have to do it. <laughs> I'll make it exciting because it's boring. So it has to be exciting. So." How do you how do you make feeling exciting yourself? Okay, but let's think that's not let's say that's that's something we can deal with. How do you make feeling globally relevant? What is it? What what, what again? Let's go back to Sven. How's Sven going to relate to phylacteries? Spiritual clothing. Okay. Yeah, So that that's quite interesting because it would be interesting of how you magdir feeling. Are you magdir feeling as a lavush? Or something else. So if you say that tefillin are a form of spiritual clothing, again, that's, that's, that's something which is relevant throughout the world. In every organized religion, there's a form of dress which d- displays a certain kind of meaning. In the army, there's ranks and they've got different clothing according to the rank. In the church, in Islam, wherever you go, what you dress reflects it. But I'm not positive that tefillin is concerned. Lavush, go on. Okay, so where's the relevance? How does it? I'm, explain to me. I'm Sven. I'm. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen? Is there ever been a, a, an idea that you've? Is that does it exist elsewhere? Do people wear oisos on like a coat, coat of arms? Coat of arms, but a coat of arms is more symbolic representation. This is actually a physical thing. Yeah, but it's, you're basically flying the flag of like what your your deeper values, something, something you believe. In. Okay. People wear crosses. People wear crosses. Spiritual antennas. Spiritual antenna. Guy walks around the cell phone. He gets that. That connects him to something bigger. Okay, so now that's fascinating. So do you see what he's done? He said that it's actually it's it's a communication device. And people are into communicating, and there's something connect. Okay, so then uh, that's great, but then you have to. You, you, but the problem is, you, you, that's great, but you have to. That means if you're not going to be faking it, it means that when you put on your twilling, you feel like you're dialing up to your brain shoulder. And if when you put on your twilling, <laughs> okay. But I'm saying you, that's what I'm saying. You can't sell auction. It has to be real. It has to be real. 
Yes. And the the is it filling? Is it? It's a good question. Is it true? Is it is it is it the cell is it the cell phone and what? And the, when you start to be inspired with feeling, it's, it goes dark with feeling. Why not? No. Okay, but Rabbi said, you get the point. I don't want to spend too long on it. You get the point. Yes, you get the point of how you have to have to be quite creative in finding the cloud which is relevant to the world. But at the very least, that point is at least a good schmoozing start-off point, no? 100%. If you come and you... 100%. Even if your maskana is at Lemaisa, it's the same thing with you, David. Even if you say that your maskana is filling on not a levush, but it's a nice way in. And do you understand? Even just through the short discussion, do you realize we've all probably now thought differently about filling as well? Ah, geschmack. So the point is that it's going to change our yachas to filling, and then it's real for us, and then it will be meaningful to the people we're teaching. Can you just go through a different direction and just talk about what, what the content of filling? So, uh, for example, Shema. So then, why, the so then put it to me, yeah. give it to me in the book. What do you mean? If it's about the content, uh, it's, it's bizarre. It's really uh, not bizarre. There's stuff written inside that no one ever, ever reads. <laughs> it's quite it's strange. It's very strange. It's like you write this whole message. You have to know this message. Here we go. What's it? <laughs> I'm not opening it up. No, never. You don't read that. You don't read that. So why is that there? Uh-huh. So leave it in the sitter. It's funny. It's strange. Why is it black? Why is it square? Why is it leather? So <laughs> your, your heart and your head. Okay, Poseidon. So then that's already good, good, good. Yeah. Would you, um, <coughs> we're, we're talking about taking the topic and bring the relevance from the outside world and bringing it in and then making the connection. Is it possible also... To basically prove, bring and not prove, to bring from the sources of the Torah itself and ask questions from there and then bring it out. Like no, because you, if you, if your starting point is within your within your understanding, your. I put myself in the inquiry also, meaning I'm asking, I'm seriously saying. Like why is it relevant to me? So it's nice for you. Um, it's nice for you because the twinning are important to you. So it's interesting for you to explore them. For me, it's irrelevant because I'm not interested in twinning. But if feeling are about connection to a higher being, that may interest me. If feeling about connection <laughs> to a national heritage, that could interest me because people are ethically, eth- ethnically interested. Do you understand? That, that, that danger is the greatest danger that we face when presenting. We, for us, it's geschmack. I mean, to, to know that why is the shkites chattis betzofen, for me, is fascinating. Why not the dorem? But for the average person, it doesn't really interest me. <laughs> understand? Okay, so that's, that, 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 that's the first thing. That's called relevance. Um, the next thing is research. Now, the first point that you have to research is just like the first thing that in relevance is what does it mean to me? The first thing you thought is any sources that you have studied in the past. This means as follows, that the process of the preparation for the, for the drosha, for the chinuch, for the being malame Torah, has to start with where, what's my, where all my hanochas are. What are they? And it, it's almost important to define them, because again, ultimately, bottom line, is the most precious thing you can give over to an audience is your own sense of growth. That's contagious. So when you're reprocessing what you already know and moving it forward and, re- and re-examining it and understanding it, that process is subliminally conveyed to your audience and it feels exciting. It feels that there's growth and vitality there. Whereas <coughs> when that process is just a means of, I've got all these facts, here you go, and I vomit them out onto you, it doesn't feel like anything. You following me? So it starts with the internal thing. So for example, if you start thinking about it, it's going to be geschmack, because it's going to be a hazor with a twist. 
when you start thinking about, okay, so what do I know about Tfilin? So you start thinking, okay, there's what parishes, parishes, Russians, Russians, they are different. And then I'll start to think about all the things I know. And as a result, I re, I, I find new, new kudas, new ha'aras in the Torah that I've already learned. And I'm able to move forward and take myself and bring myself, in a sense, my Kurech were you saying to explain to them your personal process and take them through the process of gathering the facts and growing through? That, that could be one way. It doesn't have to be that way. Even if you don't explicitly say, I thought about this and then I realized that I didn't know anything and then I thought about it more. Even if you don't say those words, the fact that you did that thing is an energy that's created in the way that you give over the information. It's excitement. It's excitement. There's vitality and people feel it and they pick it up. Okay? Um, then external sources, reading up, looking up and asking the experts, is this something that you can do? And the truth is, once you've thought about it, so then you go on this exploration, and then it's geschmack, because the world starts to speak, to speak to you. For example, let's say we were mugged here filling as a cell phone. So what's also going to happen is you're going to start thinking about, and it could be that you could do some research on how cell phones work. And what's, how, how, how does this communication revolution that's occurred in the last 15, 20 years, how has it changed the mold of society? That's something which is globally relevant. And then you can contrast the path of twilling, if it's communication. If it's, if it's dress, so then it will probably change the way that you look at people. The next time you go to the old city and you see one of those guys walking down, you know, those, those uh, what they call those Armenian priests. Like <laughs> you think Haredes look solemn. So it's Kazakhs <laughs> are a different league. Um, so you, it makes it makes you it makes you it, it actually creates a certain awareness, a certain openness. You, you, the question sits and the question starts to suck in information in all places, and then you, you know you'll be reading Chumash and you'll do Islamic Mechotarukum, and then you'll get to a point you say, oh, oh, look at this Rashi, he says something, or you'll be learning Gemara and there'll be a choices that will be relevant. In other words, it opens you up that you actually become a um, almost a magnet that you attract all the ideas of the sugya that you're being oisek in. And that's also crucial. So that's an oisek mebifnim and oisek mebachut. And then you have to integrate the new knowledge with the old. You almost have to make a conscious decision to say, okay, I, I remember what, that, that's a little bit what you spoke out, Yaakov, that when I first started this project of thinking about what twilling were, the truth is, I actually hadn't thought about it all. And for me, putting on twilling was just the thing I did today because I did it yesterday. But then I thought about what happened the first time I put on tefillin a month before my bar mitzvah. And I remember that, that, like, that feeling, that uncomfortable feeling of this hard, this hard box on my upper tiny little bicep before I started going to gym. And you, you can feel the feeling. And, and what, what did it feel like? What did that feel like? And then it could be that you'll recapture something that you suddenly realize that somewhere, somewhere along the way it got lost. And then it could be that what the goal is that the next time you put on twin, your twin will be a different twin. Then you're going to be effective in teaching. Okay, so that's research, um, integrating the knowledge of the old. Now, reflect. Think about the idea rather than think in, in the idea. Um, think about the idea rather than in the idea. Why rather than what? In other words, this is a, this is, this is a problem. We all are stuck in, in the world that we, we live in. And the world that we live in as uh, ultra-Orthodox Jews is, is very, 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 very far away from the world <coughs> that the people that you're trying to reach out to live in. They're living in a, in a different world. So when you're thinking within the structure, it's a little bit what you're saying, so when you think within the structure, 
so then you can't it can't it can't be relevant unless you part of, unless you've bought into the into the once a person's from great then it's relevant in other words when you're thinking in and really our lives are within when when we learning we're not learning about the, the, the idea, when a person learns about the, uh, getting, you're learning about the lambdas of how the get works. You're not thinking about, should there be such things as a get? And why a get? Why not, uh, why not something else? You're th- that's not what we're doing. We, we're within the system. So this actually creates a different way of approaching. You have to think outside of the system, which is, which is something which you're not used to doing. So it requires a little bit of conscious effort. Go on. But at the same time, though, when you're learning you could you could also still say you could ask why because the Torah does address the whys also. So and, and, could it, also. and plus, plus is there a difference and when we're talking about this maybe like beginners maybe this this is a true uh, course of action but like maybe when you're talking about somebody people who are already within a year or a couple years in this you know learning learning yes. ability, then they're more willing to be open like oh Absolutely. what does the Torah have to say about that? Absolutely and then we'll make the connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. In other words, th- 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 that's a little bit about the kind of audience you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if, if I'm going to speak to a group of Briska Bochim, because I feel like they need Kiruv, so then it could be, uh, uh, so, sorry, it could be the same story as the Buddhism, it could be the most relevant people yeah. to speak about. <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually quite funny. Uh, someone sent me a, a Bochim to speak to, and I said, well, where are you learning? He's not learning Briska. And I say, so what's the issue? So he said, well, he doesn't know about belief in God. So I said to him, wow. <laughs> That's a little bit strange. Like, what do you do? He says, I learn. And I said, like, you know, Basmodi goes, Basmodi Gadoila. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, he's going into the decay in Yonim of what that. But he, he, there's no, there's no Abishta. So what happened to the Abishta? Where did you go? What, what's the story? It's like, how can you have that and miss that? You follow? So. so sorry? Very easy. <laughs> yeah, it's not a problem at all. But I'm saying it should, it, it, sh- it, should be, it should be a very big problem. It should be a massive, gigantic, huge problem. Right? Like, uh, no, I mean, if, you, if, if you are the way, if you, if, if, if you, if you got it, but you know, you, 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 you like, you, you've already covered half of Shas and, and your lambdas is par excellence and then you, you never really thought, does God exist or is there a God or, or why am I doing this? That's a problem. It should be a problem. I'm saying for many people... It should be or it is. Oh, it is a problem. Oh, right. It is a problem. I, I mean, I'm assuming it is a problem. Yeah, right. Sorry? Yeah. Bizarre. There's a lot of intellectuals out there. Stuff. There's all sorts of funny things. We're born into... Okay. Sorry? No, no, but that's different because their hanoche is I'm not believing in the in the thing that I'm studying. Of the other hanoche is I am. Small hanoche, God. Okay, so what this then does is once you reflect upon it, so it creates a state of mindfulness which sensitizes, sensitizes you to the world around you and the world inside of you, which is why I discussed. That as you go, carry on going through life, because you've been awoken to the topic, so then the world starts to, in almost <coughs> like you engage in a dialogue with the world. That if you've got that topic on your mind, so then you start to see things in those terms. In other words, in order to have an effective presentation, it's actually not about a presentation at all. It can't be a presentation. It has to be an expression. It has to be an expression of your life. And when you can say things like, which are personally irrelevant, they are exponentially more powerful. I'll give an example. Chanukah Lecht. Chanukah. What's the relevance of Chanukah? So the truth is, it's 
probably one of the most difficult Chagim in a certain way to relate to. To, to, to get experience. It's eight days long, which means it starts to get very boring, no? on the first day. No. Second day. Well, can't you hear three times? Sorry? You want to hear three times. 100%. So, so 100%. Depends on your dab the. Um, what, what happens is you've got, you got this yontiv and it stretches out over eight days yeah, you, you add an extra 10 minutes of halal and then maybe, you, you know, you spend another 5-10 minutes lighting your candles and you have to add in... Hey? Donuts! Donut, sorry, how can I forget the donuts and the... That's relevant. And so, so what happened? So, so what happened to me was as follows. This, this is what happened to me. I was, I was... I went to speak to someone after the show. I said, do you mind... Oh, last, last Friday night. I said, uh, can we just chat, chat after the show? And he said to me, uh, no, I just want to rush back and sit with my candles. I thought, wow, that's a strange thing to say. Well, he wants to go, but it actually, it made me think. He actually, he sits with his candles. So I thought, well, okay, <laughs> let me try. Let me try sitting with my candles. So I never sat with my candles before. But I thought, okay, well, let me sit with my candles. So I sat with my candles. So what happened? It was, it was actually quite amazing. Because when you're sitting with the candles, and you're looking at the candles. So then you start to think. And I start to think, wow, the, these candles have been burning for a long time. They've been burning for thousands of years. It's quite amazing. I mean, the, my great-grandparents, when they were sitting in some frosty village in somewhere in Russia, or Lithuania, or Latvia, wherever they were, they had this like, little menorah, and they were like burning these candles. And their grandparents, and then you think about it, and then you actually start to connect. Something changes. You start, the candles, they're not just long like, you know, oh, is there enough of a share of a locker? Or... It becomes, <laughs> it becomes, it becomes, it becomes, it becomes something which is taka, it's relevant. Something which is, which has been part of me and part of my yichus and part of my, and then you go back to the chashmanoyim and you start to think about it. And then you look at the flame, and as you look at the flame, you say, it's amazing that the truth is the flame itself, the flame itself is a, is a shtickle miracle, even when it's not a nice Hanukkah. But it's a great demonstration of something which looks like it's solid, but you know yourself it's being regenerated every second because the oil is diminishing. So even though it looks like it's a single flame, but you know that the flame you're seeing in front of your eyes this second is not the flame in the next second or in the next second. <laughs> then you start to think, then you start to think that, well, okay, this is, this is actually quite interesting about why, why Dafka does Aish represent this idea. And then, and then like, you can sit there for a long time. So now, when I share that with you, as opposed to me quoting you from this first MS, it's much more relevant. So I say, then, then you, ah, okay, it's something that's real. So that actually has a bigger impact. But that means that I have to be a little bit also in avoider. Even if it's nay border on Chassidus. <laughs> I was once, I was actually once, when I was walking in the mirror, I was actually not bothered. I said to a friend of mine, I said, how, can you know, how come no one ever speaks about God in Yeshivas? He looked at me and says, what are you, Chassidish? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now once 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 you once you have created the state of mindfulness, then what happens is something changes in the way you react, and that's the last stage. When you learn to respond to a situation in a new way, which is li- aligned to your thought processes, you actually start to do something differently. So, for example, right, take something, let's, let's, let's just experiment with this idea in regard to, um, do you want to pick something else? Uh, 
No, it's not a mitzvah. They're, they're seemingly irrelevant. Tzitzis. Okay, let's speak about tzitzis. Speak about tzitzis. So tzitzis, what's the global relevance of tzitzis? Can we pick something a little bit closer to what they might do, like a mezuzah or something? Mezuzah. Great. Oh. Okay. So mezuzah. Why, why, why is a mezuzah globally relevant? Protection. Sorry? <laughs> Prote- but you see, to say protection, you already have to have a person that has emunah. That they acknowledge the fact that there's. Okay, fine. In other words, so you you could suggest. In other words, okay, suggest that we all realize that we need to have an alarm system, especially when you come from South Africa. Then you have to have an alarm system, electrified fences, a guard, dogs, gargoyle, gargoyle, (laughs) alligators. Um, So when you you we all we all know that when when there's danger outside, you need protection. Okay, so that's that's an idea. So now, how are you going to get? from the idea of an alarm system to why is a mezuzah an alarm system? I know there's a Chinese delegation that came to Israel and they thought there was some sort of surveillance system. They saw these little things <laughs> on every single door. Okay, I, I hear, but that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I like the Chinese relevant. That's good. It's relevant to Chinese people. Can't you easily ask a question that, you know, oh, my grandma had a mezuzah, she was robbed. I, I like the idea, but I feel like Good, okay, so fine. So that's going to be positive. So what happens if you say mezuzah? mezuzah <laughs> and she had it checked afterwards and it was kosher. So it's an ice. Is mezuzah is an ice? It's a reminder. It's a reminder. Okay, so let's, let's, let's take it to a reminder. Okay, let's, let's, let's say, for example, we'll frame mezuzah as a, a, a reminder. Why is it on the doorpost? Sorry. Okay. Le- I want. Let me tell you. It should be on the fridge. It should. There should be a big sign as you walk into the house where the zechel and mikdash is, and it should say Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. Vayim Shemayim. What? Okay, good. So, so, why, why, so, so what happens? What happens again? So, wh- wh- what, what's the relevance for me? Why, why, why do I want that in my life? I'm not, I'm not religious. I'm not religious. That's a problem because I'm a religion. You speaking to me about mezuzahs? That's a problem. How? Wh- why am I interested in that? But it's, out, but it's outdated. Uh, it's it's like, so then I'll, I'll just put the I'll put the. It's not going to happen in Eretz Yisrael. Every single door where you walk into has a mezuzah. You want to do it also. I don't know why. It's not, it's not only in Eretz Yisrael, right? It's a very widespread mitzvah. But what's interesting as well, a lot of people, specifically in America, think the mitzvah is to take a mezuzah cover and put it on your door. Yeah. Throwing instructions. Where's the whole joke? Great, look at that. Listen to that. See how, see how high went transition point in life. Every time you move from one space to another, there's a transition. There's a massive difference between the space outside of my house and the space inside of my house. And Zafka, at the Mokama Knisa, when you're entering into your house, it tells you something. Now, I personally think that the, 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 the reason why it's hidden in, in, a, in, a, in, in a scroll is because that the way Torah works is Derech is Bonus. If it's written on the wall, it will actually stop to have an impact on you because it's, you become too passive. You have to engage in the thing in order for it to have a meaning for you. So you have to think about it. It's not explicit. You have to delve into it. So when you're walking through the, when you're walking through the door, it actually the only way it's going to affect your mind is if you do an act to access it. So then, if that's true and you want to speak about it, you have to practice walking through doors. 
In other words, it means, no, I'm serious. It means that when you walk through your door, that's, that's the last one. Let's learn to respond to the situation in a line with your thoughts. If you have this gavaldi gavort, and then every time you walk through the door, you don't. Is there. You missed the I want to know, is there. Is there I mean, the, the truth is, I don't know. I, I, I've never. The, the locker says that you should kiss the mezuzah when you leave your house and when you enter your house, right? No, says that. I think so. Yeah, it says. Is the place your hand in? Sorry. Right. As you leave, but is there a mitzvah for you to kiss other people's mezuzahs? I don't know. Did you go around kissing other people's tefillin? Lachor, <laughs> it's a din in the chavivus a mitzvah. It's, it's okay, boy. So that's basically. I, I hope there was a relatively clear presentation on how to develop an idea when you're trying to present a PSP. I want to redo the PSP now. <laughs> <laughs> and he's better because he's presenting in approximately 10 minutes and he doesn't have time to do it. But uh, in the future, if you'd like to implement some of these ideas, it would be very good. And, and if you wouldn't, so then I'll just shout at you. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.